Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media, and today we're going to be discussing scary stories to tell in the dark. The movie that just came out. The movie! <laughs> How's it going, John? It's going well. Um, I enjoyed this movie. Did you like it, Eddie? I dug it. It's, I think it's it was better a lot than, of fun. Yeah, it's better than Goosebumps, I would say. It was a fantastic movie. Yeah. I liked it. It was I a lot of fun. I think it was also <laughs> that I sort of went in with not a whole lot of expectations. Yeah. I was just kind of, I was just ready to watch it because I wanted to see what they were going to do. Because the source material is really simple. Yeah. Also, we went over it, and so I think that it was made it very malleable for them to turn this into, like, a, a broad yeah. story yeah, as definitely. well. Yeah, definitely. Um, whereas I think the Goosebumps stories, like what Eddie was saying, probably have a little bit less detail, or they have too much detail, and so they probably feel a little out of place because it's not its own standalone story. Also, the fact that they're just kind of goofy. I feel like Goosebumps kinda. is not fully scary enough. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't. It's more accessible to, like, a very young audience. Right. Whereas for... Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was a little bit beyond it, where they were using some serious stories. <laughs> yeah. I also feel on. like the model for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was kind of like Aesop Fables or Grimm's Fairy Tales in a yes. way. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Or even, like, Raw Doll was kind of, like, inspired by those kind of stories as well. Oh, yeah, from, totally. like, Grimm's Fairy Tales. But let's go back to... Yeah, yeah, just discussing, uh, where does this, this, oh, well, we just got out of the theater and saw it just a few hours ago. <clears throat> yeah, so this is another special edition episode where we yeah. went to go see uh, the movie and then we came into the podcast right after. This, we'll, we'll, we should call this our silver screen episode, one of the silver screen episodes. Oh, nice. Right? Right? Like that, <laughs> like right? That, All right, yeah. so we'll coin the phrase silver screen episode. <laughs> well, I'll put it on the little description. Yeah. Silver screen, one. scary stories to tell in the dark. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to be a marketing guy one day. Dude. Right. So just, just some quick things. The director <laughs> was Andre Overdahl. He did Troll Hunter. Yep. Uh, do you, what else do you – you mentioned another one he did. No, just Troll Hunter. Oh, okay. So he just did that one, and then, of course, there's – Notably the, Troll Hunter, but right. other, other things he's probably done. Yeah, that'd be, like, the most recognizable one. Um, it was produced by Guillermo del Toro, which they heavily use his name he for, like, advertising. He also got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame this week. Fuck yeah. That was great. He even mm. brought, like, a Mexican flag with him. Oh, <laughs> it was like, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. Oh, I think I saw that picture. He was yeah. just walking in just like, oh, victory. He's holding it like – yeah, he was glorious. holding it like a victory flag. It was that's, so great. I love glorious. that. Um the screenplay was written by Dan Hagman and Kevin Hagman, so I'm guessing brothers. What did they do before? Um, I honestly don't know. They don't. They're they don't have like a clickable thing okay. anywhere on the internet. So this could be like one of their first like yeah. super new out. people yeah. on the game. Um, but they did a good job. I like the way that it was introduced. So the so the movie starts off. You get like sort of this uh, panoramic shot of everything that's going on in the city that they're in. Um, I this little town, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. It's in Pennsylvania, yeah. the state. Uh, the city, I uh, fuzzy on. Yeah, I couldn't remember. They show you yeah. a quick uh, sign and then it moves on. Mm -hmm. But it's set in the '60s, and this is the time period when like they're drafting for Vietnam, and then Nixon is all over the TV trying to get reelected. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, Nixon's reelection. Well, LBJ is still in office, and yes. Nixon is. Oh, that's it. Is trying to run for office. Yeah. So you get a lot of you get that setting and backstory like right up front, and so you know where it's set, what's going on, and then they set the tone with the song, which is what season of the witch. Yes. Yeah. So they play that right at the beginning, and so they give you exactly how you're supposed to be feeling for the film. It's a little bit of backstory, and then they just go right into it. <laughs> I, I feel like this movie should have been a perfect Halloween movie to watch. Like, yeah, honestly, yeah. For, it takes place for a re release for of Halloween and stuff, and I feel like horror movies don't do that that often now these days. They kind of yeah stick more to the August September release or they don't really like to go for 
the end of October. Right. Like, the last Halloween movie did that, but not, like, movies like these. Yeah, that's fair. Also, it was, like, a PG-13 movie. They were they were trying to get as many people to go watch it as possible, and so it was open to a larger crowd. But, I mean, I liked the way that they started it. Kudos to them for having the main character be Stella, the little girl who's also a writer, and then also having, um, what's his name? Ramon as Ramon. another main character. So who's Mexican? Yeah, <laughs> Mexican main character uh, who was there, and they like went straight into the racial tensions at one point. Oh, definitely, <laughs> super! I was really surprised yeah, by that. I was, I was surprised like, by I was it like, too. Fuck! I was like, this is PG thirteen right now. Right. Wait, this is a little too serious for that, right? Isn't that right? <laughs> no, maybe no, maybe not. Maybe I, just, I don't know what I'm talking about. They just went full force with it, but yeah. I mean, so you get Dropping the intro, wet, the comment wet back. Yeah, dude, yeah. that was crazy. Yeah, I was um, like, fuck. They, uh, it's Halloween night. So that's like where it starts. And you even have like the old school radio announcer who is like telling you all about what's going on to get prepped for the night. He's like um, Wolfman Jack. Of- yeah, it was cool. I wonder who they got for the narration for that voice because that was really good. Hey there, you folks out there. <laughs> on Halloween's night. You all ready to get a little spooky with your good friend Wolfman Jack here? <laughs> and I felt like they immediately started playing with stereotypes that we are familiar with so having the teenage bully who's also a football player and i thought he was like mentally challenged looking (laughs) (laughs) his face the entire movie looked like a very long horse face and just like i thought he was like high or something right he definitely looked kind of methy yeah something (laughs) he looked looked a little methy right i mean and they're like are you drinking i think he's doing more than that right like (laughs) he did a good job oh yeah i've been drinking mom what do you think i'll pick up your eggs that was weird his mom was like totally just like oh you've been drinking take the fucking eggs to your neighbor's house what are you doing like yeah as if like it's just like i'm never gonna stop his addiction right but. yeah <laughs> really though Fuck no doubt you, Harold. So, i hate how you look at me oh, shit. yeah that was weird um so i mean they did a good job of making you hate this guy because he was already like a piece of shit and he, he was he, just yeah. bullying everybody in the fucking film He's got um, everything you loathe. Like the and about, from and you could loathe about a person is right. in this teenager. And you, <laughs> it's also that movie, that scary movie thing where you see them and you're like, yeah, that dude's dying first. <laughs> you're like, for sure, that dude is going to fucking get killed. And then you, you but see But they don't do it in like Stranger Things or It, which is right. sort of that model. Yeah, that's fair. They, they also started off by showing you clues of the story. So if you had read the stories beforehand, um, you would know which story it is. Um, and in this case, it was the Scarecrow one, the uh, Herald, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And he, for some reason, he's beating the fuck out of a Scarecrow, which is really weird in itself. <laughs> but he was like, fuck yeah. you, Harold. Yeah, and just fucking like hits it with a bat. Uh, that I was that's super weird. the story that Arl Stein gravitated towards when he wrote um, when Scarecrows Walk at Midnight. Oh, dang. Yeah, that's true. Kay. I wonder which came first. No. Well, that, the Scarecrow Walks to Midnight was like secondary to this story oh gotcha from the herald story but i'm, I'm figuring because there's a documentary out where they talk about the books right um just as this movie got released so it'll oh, be kind of okay. interesting to watch that okay so so we <laughs> so we get introduced to the main characters which is going to be stella who is like i would say probably the main character and actor in the movie and then you have our hero um, girl. yeah she's essentially like like one of the heroes although they didn't player or ramon too much as a hero they were just kind of like well, they were just kids the, were just... yeah the main people where stuff was happening to them and they figured it out and then they had their <laughs> friends they had august or augie, augie they called him and then they the had hypochondriac a, kid who was like chuck you know... was the other kid uh, i'm pretty sure it was chuck uh, it's it's 
Augie, Augie, Stella, Ramon, um, and then I don't remember. He's the he's the, the he's, girl's younger brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Chuck is. No. Oh, is Chuck? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And All right. then, yeah. So, yeah. His yeah, big so, sister Ruth. Yeah. yeah, and then his big sister Ruth, and so Ruth is supposed to be going out on a date, and then we find out she's going on with a, a date douchebag. with that douchebag guy we've already seen. But he's been picking on Chuck and his friends for years now. So so Chuck gets a bag full of shit Karma. and is like, all right, we're going to get him this year. I Dude, thought- he goes – he fucking he fucking blitzkriegs that yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, that was like, so he, good. Uh, he like he does that. He gives them a false bag full of poo. Yep. First, they open it up. It smells like shit. They stop the car to throw it out there. They egg the car while they're distracted. Then he lights the bag of poop on fire. A bag a little plastic, a little yeah, the little uh, paper bag of poo on fire, and then throws it in his lap. It's his own shit too, because yes. you see him fishing he it out of the like, toilet it out. in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Oh man! It's like, what are you doing? Nothing. Privacy. And so this is where you um, this is definitely where you uh come to like like really like that character. Yeah. Just for that moment, this is like his awesome moment. Right. You know? Uh, you really come to uh care about that character. So it was yeah. a good way for you to introduce like them as a group of friends, and then like the hijinks that they're getting into on this Halloween, and then right. how Chuck's sort of like the prankster kind of class clown individual right that's also like the pivot point that's like the inciting moment for the story Mm -hmm. and it just gets going right away this is like 10 15 minutes into the film so you don't waste any time getting into the main story and they sort of had to because what they did was they overlaid a larger story on top of the smaller stories that they included and tied them all together with the the main story which was the book Mm -hmm. but but this was mostly like the first book's stories right yes i i think it was all first book i don't think they used anything from yeah it all seems like stuff from the very first yeah so i'm wondering this might be a trilogy then yeah i think he's i think they were trying i think they wanted to see how good it would do and then if it made it seems to be getting a good reaction yeah it got like an 80 percent on rotten tomatoes so it's like it's it's fair like for what it is i think it was good but that's Um, just the tomatoes they they're are yeah, they're kind of assholes, and uh, <laughs> it's because it's all the critics who are super old. Like, what's his name? Um, Ebert and Roper. Ebert, Ebert actually. I don't give a fuck school. about what Ebert has <laughs> to I mean, say. About I mean, Rotten Tomatoes is just a collection of, of like the most popular reviewers yeah. and whatnot. You know so what they mean? just kind of so if they just they just basically say, does this person say bad or does this person say yeah. it's good? And then they just kind of compile that. I like so, reading all the negative ones just to see what they were nitpicky about. Yeah, exactly. That's like the best way you can find if people actually gave a shit about the movie or if right. they just had like an initial oh, i don't like it yeah probably... or it's something legitimate yeah to yeah. Say. yeah exactly sometimes they have good criticisms and negative reviews for uh, sure they do actually they end I up agree. like cutting <sighs> things out and whatnot i liked how tommy went out with the character harold mm-hmm. where it was a very clever death on how they take took tommy out where they he takes him out with the the pitchfork and harold takes him Against the pitchfork, and he's like turning into a scarecrow himself, where he's just vomiting up straw. And yeah, I love that. I love the way they transition to that story. But but basically, the way it sort of kicks off is they do this prank on the bully, which I can't remember his name, and they end up running away. So they run uh, away. Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. They run away from Jimmy and end up in a drive-in theater where they're playing A Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. which at at that point I guess just came out. Yeah. And they were like watching it in the drive in. And this is where they meet Ramon. They jump into his car. <laughs> and they're just like, we're trying to hide. Shh. And he's like, what the fuck? Uh, they redu- they introduced Ramon much earlier than that. Yeah. Too. You get to see uh, him driving he, around. He, he's uh, hanging out, and a police officer approaches him and then like questions why he's there. 
Yeah, so that was uh, that was interesting because not only did they include the overlaying story, but they had sort of a mini story with him where, one, he's Mexican, so the guy was being a little bit racist with him and being like, what are you doing? Where are you going? But they also had the story element of him uh, dodging the draft. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, that's probably what he thought. He thought he was dodging the draft, and he was also Mexican. So he was putting those two together and figuring out, like, why is he here in the town? Because it's a small town, mm-hmm. and they know everyone there. So yep. it's the sheriff, and he's like, what's going on? Yeah, and this random brown person walks in. And right. Like, what's going on? Yeah, who are you? Yeah, who are you? What's going yeah. on? There was also a reason why he drafted or was trying to avoid the draft. Yeah, because they, which he tells later. Yeah, yeah. his older brother got um, essentially he got, got killed over there and pieces came back him. in pieces. Yeah, just, yeah, just like the uh, monster that's chasing him in this Interesting. movie. Interesting. Holy shit! I didn't, I didn't think not about put that. that together. Yeah, at all. the jangling yeah. man. Good yeah. fucking job. Eddie. Yeah, that's a good fucking. That was man. one of my favorite creatures out of this movie. Next oh, it to was the super pale cool. woman, and just like. <laughs> <laughs> it just falls apart to chase him again. That was great. <laughs> I yeah, love that shit. it's like it was like uh, he knew what he needed to do to escape that, but that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I also feel like these monsters definitely inspired like p- people like Junji Udo and people who developed Silent Hill. Oh, totally. Because these creatures, like the the creature that falls apart and puts himself back together again, the Silent yeah. Woman. Uh, there was like the creature with the missing toe. Those are sort of like creatures I felt like are very what inspired Junji Udo's work and people did Silent Hill being very existential kind of creatures. Yeah. Oh, totally. They, the, each story was kind of designed uh, to <clears throat> tell about a certain element of fear that some people might be feeling like even with just a uh, Ruth who has the spiders. So some people already have like arachnophobia basically. And that can be enough to trigger someone's fear. Uh, she already has a fi- uh, fear of like of a pustules on her face. She's really that. concerned with her beauty. It's being like that destroyed. body horror sort yeah. of thing mm-hmm. that you so she's, getting. Yeah. So she doesn't like pustules and her face being all me- or her skin being messed up. So of course right. her horror is spiders bursting out of the side of her face. Oh God. Yeah. That's, that's like the ultimate fear. And then it the ends perfect, up like, like YouTube video of popping a pimple. Oh yeah. God. They well, I mean, the whole of the whole event sends her to basically she gets um, she goes crazy yeah. and like has to go to a mental asylum after that. So like even though she technically didn't die, trauma. she ends up stuck pretty much like. It was interesting that they also took her mm-hmm. on their journey wherever they were going outside right. the town. So I'm wondering where that's going to transition for a second movie if that's what they're going to go for. Oh, in the very end scene. Yes. Okay, I was wondering about that. I was like, is that? Is that Ruth? I couldn't tell. That, that, was, that was her. Okay. Was yeah, she had a big scar on her Yeah, I, I thought so. Okay. Then I was confused as to who it was. But so so they get to they get to the drive-in, and this is where they have their first like serious encounter with Jimmy, <sighs> who's leaning into Ramon's driver's side window and is like, you guys need to get out of the car with the bat in hand. And then this is when he gets really close to Ramon, and it's like, he calls him a wetback. And I was like, yo, this is like a straight slur. Like, yeah. they really brought this into the movie. And then he's like... You smell like shit. You need to get away from my car. <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck? Because they threw poop on him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he had shit on him from the earlier scenes. And then some random like dude is shit. like, yo, you need to get the fuck out of the way because you're blocking the movie. And like walks them out. <laughs> I was like, who is this random guy who was like. I love that he just like tries to be like, hey, I'll yeah. watch the movie, you see. Yeah. And it was like, get the, like you guys need to leave. It's right like now. the dad from us is just like. No, y'all, no, I call the police. So if y'all want to get crazy, we can get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that, that passive aggressive way of just like trying to enforce like dominance. Right. Oh, totally. And then, uh, and then after that is sort of when they 
they leave and go to the haunted house, right? Uh, yeah, they decide to go do something really scary for Halloween and go investigate this house. That's and it. That's when Stella starts telling the kind of backstory on the um, on Sarah Bellows. Yeah, well, on the Bellow family, the Bellow who family, like who yes. like owned the house as well as uh, making the the town kind of famous for because they were a paper mill for the paper mill that they had made. And so you sort of get this story about Sarah being trapped in the house and how she was kept in the basement. And she ends up being the author of the book that they get, which starts telling all of these stories that we're familiar with from the books. It was sort of funny, too, because Goosebumps and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the Goosebumps movie, has a similar plot as well as to this movie as well. It has like a magical book that will make these creatures appear out of nowhere. Just kind of like how the board game Jumanji works. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, they, they sort of added in. They wanted you to know more of the story, more of the lore behind what was going on. Um, they, what I, I like had to stop when I was watching it and be like, yo, why are these kids so good at picking locks? <laughs> Just Ramon. No, even uh, uh, Stella does it with his knife for the second lock. Oh, fuck. And That's I was just right, like, huh? yo, what the hell? <laughs> like, they, they, well, they of course, he had his switchblade, which is really funny. But also, <laughs> like, I kept asking, hey, do you have a switchblade? He's like, he's got we, a switchblade. we missed Only the Thieves Guild backstory. Yeah, for real. And somehow they unlocked it, no problem, and got into the house. So I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah. But for some reason, that was the most unbelievable thing for me. <laughs> they're, they're both kind of nerds. I guess you know, they'd look it up, maybe. Yeah. I love um, how I love how he's just like. Hey man, do you have a switchblade? Why would you think I have a switchblade? He has a switchblade and fucking pulls out a switchblade <laughs> yeah, later, later on. And you're like, yeah, we all knew it. Right? I love that. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> then he starts dancing to West Side Story. Uh, oh right. God. Yeah, they they all start doing the dance. They run. They they walk up to you doing the snap. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Oh <laughs> but but right. So they so they get into the house. They get um they find the secret door that leads down to the basement, and this is where they find the book. And Stella finds the book on the shelf, and that's kind of. But they also, this is where they incorporate one of the songs from the book. She yeah. plays this little sound box that is the her song. Yep, that we that we uh, explored. Our, our our lovely friend Dorian Bell yeah. sang it on uh, our one of our past episodes where we it covered was, this. Shoot, the books, the fifth episode, I think, was the one yeah. that we had it on. So if you want to hear what that song sure. sounds like. Dorian does the full version of that song mm -hmm. and it's fucking great. And I, I recognized it immediately when we were watching. Yeah. It. I was like, yo, that's the song. And uh, you hear some of the lyrics later with the older lady who used to be, I guess they're maid. Yeah. I used to live in the house who with used them. used to be like living with them. And the daughter of the maid. Daughter of the maid. That's right. Go. Yeah. Yes. The yeah. daughter of who the maid. Who I thought was Oprah Winfrey at first. It did look like her. Yeah. <laughs> it could have, you know, that really, it could have been. But it it could have been, it but it was not. She, she, that lady is in um, the Badlands, the newest uh, oh, show into on the Badlands Netflix. that Kung Fu yeah, with into no the guns. Badlands. Yeah, she is uh, like this new sorceress that comes in in uh, that show. Maybe it was just her hairdo reminded me of the magical. Oracle from the Matrix. Also that, <laughs> also had that, but I think her face is just broader. She well, has a broader face. They did I like the blind seer thing where yeah. she's like she she has uh, like whites over her eyes and mm -hmm. has like long dreads and everything. So that was cool, but um. They thought she was crazy, but really she was just telling them like what was happening. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. They incorporated some of that info into it. Yeah, I love I love all the cool references to the books that they make. Like, and they make right. some of those those stories that when you read them without like any like passion and whatnot, where you're like trying to make it scary, they make those they make them chilling. Like the big toe story, yeah. is an actual like is narratively like played out exactly as it is in the story, essentially. Right in the books, anyway. My big toe. Yeah. 
And so they get the so they get the book and then they get a little bit of a scare um, because Jimmy shows up and locks them in and then they're trying to get out. And then eventually, um, God, I don't think they showed who unlocked it when they were leaving. The ghost. It was a ghost, right? You yeah, wanted the, like the, the story Sarah, to play the out. Ghost basically. Of Sarah. Oh, so it was Sarah. That's right. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, well, when, oh, when the door closes on them. Yeah. When the door closes on them, isn't that Jimmy that does it? He Jimmy closes it and then he leaves. Yeah. And, and then, then the ghost opens. Well, it he up tosses Ruth in there first, and then yeah. he closes yeah. it um, because she's it like, like "You need to let like my little brother go." <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then he, yeah, so he leaves, and then they're like trying to get out, and they realize that the door's open, and they just don't care. They're like, "Yeah, let's get out of here." And then this is uh, where do you get sort of what the what the book is? She's reading the story and realizes like the ink is fresh, basically, and it's also blood. So it's like it's being written. Uh, it's like foretelling what's going to happen with people, and it's Sarah writing it somehow. And so the first death is Jimmy, which of course we're like, I don't give a fuck about this guy. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it's about time, even though it's only been like thirty minutes of the movie. <laughs> and he fucking his death is pretty creative. And a, a clever way to avoid violence in the movie because he essentially gets hunted down by Harold. More like gore to avoid doing right. excess gore. Yeah, in a, excess in this gore. Because yeah. he gets. He you likes. See the, um, hey, the yeah. prongs. Well, he yeah. stabs Harold with a pitchfork. Yep. And then Harold grabs it and stabs him back. But instead of blood coming out of his stomach, it's straw that starts pouring out of his stomach. And then he starts coughing up straw and eventually <laughs> turns into it. a scarecrow himself. Which I would only assume Harold just hangs him up and then leaves him there, <laughs> and so that's like that's the story of him. And this is or there's multitudes of scarecrows out there, probably. right? There's so I guess there's a bunch. I couldn't tell just one, but I'm just thinking maybe he just took Harold's place. And oh, then, that's true. Yeah, because there's certain like creatures in the. Oh, world. do you think it's like a like a cycle like that, that always sort of happens in that story? Yeah. Did you ever see the movie Pumpkin Head? No. Remember so. the actor who played Bishop in Aliens? Yeah. He tries to have this old witch like bring this old demonic creature back from the dead so right. he can like avenge his son's death and then he becomes the next pumpkin head. Oh shit. And so that oh, Okay. Is... So he's just getting a replacement for him. I Pretty love much. that he was still in his outfit. He had the like the football a jacket, the typical letterman jacket. Mm-hmm. And then uh this is when <clears> everyone <throat> finds out that just this kid went missing. And they're not sure exactly what's going on yet, mm-hmm. but Stella is like, I need to know, like, is it him? Like, what, does something happen? It's after Jimmy destroys Ramon's car. Yes. And does that gnarly ass part, which yeah. is fucked. Then the cop is more suspicious of him. Yeah. Right, and then yeah. the cop is more suspicious well, of him he's, for he's that. He's like connecting it where he's, he's like, target, oh, you like probably witness. like retaliated against him for fucking up your car, but he can't prove it. So mm-hmm. he's just kind of like waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Right, and so that's what happens. And then what happens after Jimmy? After Jimmy dies, it's they start reading the book again, and then Augie, right. Augie's death, I think, is the next one after that. The that big happens. Toe. Yep, the big toe. The big toe happens. I think that would definitely turn Quentin Tarantino off from feet entirely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, just... he's a weirdo. He probably liked it. <laughs> a decaying toe in your mouth from Yo, stew. <laughs> I know. I love that he's on the phone too, which he's like, I want to eat the stew. And she's like, what stew? And he's like, somebody made it. Yeah. And, then just like, <laughs> and then just eats it cold. What a weirdo. But he like is scooping it out and they're, they call him on the little walkie talkie, which is great. Cause it's like the only way they communicate it. Um, and I like that. That's becoming a common theme for like young teenage groups for a certain time period. They're just all using walkie talkies. Because they're so close to each other in the in the neighborhood, just like they did in Stranger Things. And right, I think they even did in the movie Ed, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yes, oh. maybe. 
I think they have did. Have to go back and watch well, it again they, before we see Have you guys one. seen, uh, uh, <clears throat> God, what is it? The Suicide Diaries? No. I've not seen They did it in that one, too. The group of boys are watching all the girls who live across from them, and they're all, like, communicating over walkie-talkie. So that's another thing. It's it's common in, like, horror films. Um, but, yeah, so they see the story getting written, which apparently it just, like, writes itself, and they get to, like, watch it unfold. And so they find out that Augie is going to be in one of the stories, and it's the, it's the woman who's lost her big toe mm-hmm. <laughs> and wants it back. And so she just like which they actually way. use that image um, from the original book. Yes, her the way that her face looks is uh, they put it exactly how it was and ma- put that into um, CGI as well as like practical effects, which looks so good. In yeah, the it, it's very very clear that the uh, people that made this movie or the uh, everyone that worked on it was really had a love for the source material. Oh yeah, really. Totally. Like, I get like there was no like th- these were not just like cheap references. These were like very like effective and useful references that they were making. Just even right. like the pale woman too. She's like directly from page to screen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that was great. They really got down on the details for all of the creatures. Um, I love that they got a contortionist to do the jangling man mm-hmm. to like do all of the weird positions that he was walking in. Um, and I love the sheriff's encounter with him as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was like the reaction from the thing. You gotta be fucking yeah. kidding me. Yep. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> just pulls out his fucking Instantly revolver. Shooting it. He empties his whole revolver into the head and is just like, I'm not fucking with this right now. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. I love that. Um, I appreciate it that they had the characters look more into the Bellow family without it seeming too tedious. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't seem like it. It seemed uh, very organic and natural, and it like yeah. it flowed together. Really, it was all woven together very, very well. Yeah, and it helped to have that overlaying story on top of all of the other ones. So it didn't make it seem like a detached anthology. It was mm-hmm. like you had all the stories brought together by this one larger narrative. And they added more depth to it by having it during, you know, the 60s during Vietnam getting drafted and all the other things. So it it worked out really well. Like these super fantastical horrors with like the real world horrors that they were going through at the time. There's definitely some social commentary about what was going on. And I don't, yeah, I don't think it was a mistake that they chose the jangling man for the Mexican character who had just lost his brother to the Vietnam War and how he was avoiding the draft. So that was interesting. Um, That must have been like just a small, subtle thing that the writers put into it. And it worked really well. Um, without it being excessive and pandering in some way to like try to get people in for the to the story for like that specific reason. Yeah, I would have been really disappointed with this movie if they had done something like an anthology where they just did right. like uh, just they back just did to like yeah, if they just did that, it wouldn't have been nearly as awesome. I don't think. I think I would have been a little bored by it to be honest. Something yeah. like a movie like VHS did in a way, or Tales from the Dark Side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Or Creepshow, even that. Like I felt apologies. like the pacing through the whole film was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there was never a dull moment for me. And even when they were like slowed down and they were researching, you were getting important information mm-hmm. for the story about what and, was going on. And there's the payoff at, right at the end. So all the research and everything has a huge payoff in the very end. Yes. You kind of find out that uh, Sarah was very innocent in the whole story. And mm-hmm. in fact, not the one being like eating children yeah. and using their blood for the thing, uh, for they, the book. They find a really old piece of recording technology yeah, I fucking love that. Cylinder. That yeah. was such a nice mm-hmm. touch for the the way that like it would just sound. <clears throat> so like that is so accurate. Like they mm-hmm. got exactly the type of machine, the wax cylinder, what it would sound like. And then you have like probably the scariest bit where you hear uh her older brother basically like torturing her, like electrocuting mm-hmm. her yep. to get him to tell the story. But then she tells the story 
about one of the characters then in that yep. recording. Yeah. So it's like they they tied it into like they had to listen to that recording. So it was interesting that they did something. I think like also that. Del Toro likes old things. Like, oh, totally. Like mm-hmm. antiques is. Like, yeah. If, if you watch most of his movies, there's like gears and like old sort of like machinery that was. It's so made. close to like steampunk stuff. But yeah, like, with not overblowing steampunk. Yeah, how exactly. It is. Uh, that's really true. I think he likes things like that because they usually have a story behind them. They're not going to be like a fresh new item that doesn't have much story behind it. But also, this is like a ghost story, and yeah. he also called ghost stories like stone tapes, where mm. there's just like these spirits are have are not here to haunt you. They're trying to tell you something. Oh yeah, totally. And in this case, uh, she wasn't just torturing people for fun. I don't even think she really knew the extent of what was happening when she was writing the stories. Yeah, she was uh, oh the the cerebellos <laughs> yeah. spirit. Um, the spirit in my interpretation of it anyway was that the spirit is basically her leftover rage energy. Yeah, and it's basically manifesting in her stories because she was a writer, so she would write, and so it manifests in her yeah. writing. And she takes out her rage on everyone else, and uh, essentially becomes the monster that her family was to her. Right, because her truth is never spoken. I didn't understand. Do they lock her away because she had like albinism? So no, no, so. She knew that her that basically the family was dumping mercury into the local water. Oh shit! So she I knew about it and bit. went public with it, and so they were basically like, "You're telling lies, blah blah oh. blah blah. You have a problem." And her being albino may have just been a thing oh, that she gotcha. just had, but okay. it's the fact that she was exposing the family's bullshit. So they're just trying to keep her locked. And away they're trying to, to keep her locked to keep up and quiet. shut up. Yeah, yeah, lock up, shut up. We're doctors. We can. One of them's a doctor, so he yes. can just legally be like, oh, she needs me. Right, yeah. And he ends yeah. up being the doctor at the hospital who is pretty much torturing yeah. her. I do like evil doctors. Evil doctors <laughs> are cool. <laughs> There's a scene in the movie um, when they're in the house at first where Chuck is in the closet. Oh, that was good, yeah. Yeah, that kind of remind me like the shot from The Shining where Jack finds the lady in the tub. Oh, and, yeah. Huh? And then when Wendy also finds the guy in the tuxedo and the guy going down on the guy in the tuxedo in a bear suit like that seemed like almost like a similar scene to me i totally forgot about that (laughs) it's the most randomest scene in the shining that you could ever watch it's just like what purpose is this moment right here that's happening just like what is going on here stanley kubrick yeah that was man he put in some weird stuff for that i feel like i felt like i had to watch the shining a few times over to really get every single thing that he had included into that but it was it was good. I liked it. Um, another thing I really liked about the movie was certain like small pieces, like the book being unburnable. Like it kept reappearing back at her place, even though she had left it somewhere. So like basically signaling to her that she had to resolve something. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was getting to find the real story behind why Sarah was locked away and then sort of helping her get to that moment where she releases all of her anger. Well, if you sorry, if no, you're you, good. If you see like certain horror movies when they try to burn like an ancient evil yeah, or artifact <laughs> or whatever, it doesn't get destroyed. It doesn't yeah. it stays intact in one piece like the Necronomicon from Evil right. Dead, like the remake um the book from Hocus Pocus. Baba Duke book. Yep. It's yeah. It's been a while since I watched the Bobby. We got to do that one. It's such a good, such a good film for something like that. I, I really appreciate it too. I felt like the writers, um, they were using things that are common in stories. So like very formula things tropes. that you might find in a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're using the tropes without it being, uh, without you being like, that's a trope. 
Yeah, but, exactly. You, it it yeah. was effectively used. That yeah. was used in a way that you weren't. Well, these are like really good writing elements. Yeah. So they included them in a way that was unique to the story, and it it worked well for weaving all of the stories together, and then pushing you forward into the narrative and finding out more about them. And you also uh, you start off like sort of misunderstanding Sarah, and then you end up understanding a little more at the end, which is also putting a nicer light on hauntings, on ghosts, and why someone might be sticking around. I. I'm kind of curious. Is the I don't remember if the Sarah character or story was part of the original um, story, or was that made just for this movie? I believe it was original just for the story. I don't remember seeing anything about Sarah. Okay, yeah. It almost kind of reminded me of um, Mama. Uh, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because it's been a while since I've seen the movie Mama, but I kind of prefer the shorter story to that as opposed to the lengthier version of Mama. Right. Okay. Which I think also Guillermo del Toro produced that one as well. I, yeah, I think he did for that one as well. He's He's been really good about getting his hand into things that he really enjoys. And he usually will he's be always, a really positive he's a influence. He's big, fat Mexican like, who likes to put <laughs> many projects on his plate. And then he'll just like disperse it out. Yeah, he gets them all done. He got, he like, he's been working nonstop since like, he got into being a director. And has just been producing a lot of really good stuff. Is I want to see his Haunted Mansion movie so badly. Is it just me or is he just a Latino George R. R. Martin? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's very accurate. He looks almost exactly right, like right. him. Just, just a Latino yeah. man. That's it. I love, uh, I love when he got his, uh, his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame because he showed up with the Mexican flag, gave like a little speech about mm-hmm. it. And so it was definitely some good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what, so, so going back to the main story on what was happening, uh, what was next? I think so. Augie gets taken. And then oh, they go to the hospital after that. Or oh, they go to the hospital. Yeah. To look for the records, the That's medical right. records. They go to look for the medical the records. Pale woman in the red room. That's it. So the next is Chuck then when he sees, uh, so he's had a dream. Well, the next lady that gets hit is, is his sister. His sister gets hit first. Oh, that's with the right. Spiders, and so they run over to the school to go try to save her because the book starts writing a third one after that. And so they go there and the and pimple. And they think yeah. they save her. Burst. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, like she didn't actually die. But then they find out later from the sheriff that she went crazy and they didn't like sort of not really saved her. But she's still like technically alive. So I think that was the one point of the movie that I was a little fuzzy on. I was like, eh, this one's a little bit kind of, it's a little ham fisted. Her condition's a little ham fisted in there kind of. They didn't revisit her is why. Yeah, not really. Not really. Yeah. Once the characters were gone, they like, they They had to just like stick to the main plot, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if the movie could have continued without her scene, like if she had just been left alone, or like she just vanishes and like they would have continued, mm-hmm. just but, like how the other kids were. But they had it. But they included one of the main stories, which was the red spot. Yep. Um. So that was definitely something that was in the books, and so they brought it. They brought that story into the movie, and so and then afterwards is when what they go find the other records. <clears throat> yep, they go find. Well, they go. Well, that they just go to the the book starts writing another story, and they're like, "Who the fuck is it? Oh shit, it's my sister!" And then they go yeah. save Ruth, and then they go look for medical records on yes. Sarah Bellows. They go to the hospital, and that's where the pale woman shows up, and then Chuck meets his end there. Yes. He, he gets, like, absorbed. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, just, like, embraces him. Yeah, and just, like, she gives him a hug. It's funny because she's walking towards him with her arms out. like Very slowly. I was I was definitely expecting, like, her mouth to open up yeah. and just start eating him. But, Dude. no, it just, like, mm, into my Like, belly. no face from Spirited Away. Yeah, yes, legit. No, yeah. yeah. I thought mm-hmm. that was going to happen, too. Come to me. That probably Come would have to been too violent. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. Um, That's what it felt like. Yeah, like Henrietta honestly. from Evil Dead 2. 
Um, Someone's in my fruit cellar. Someone with a fresh soul. Oh shit, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I for, totally forgot about that line. Funny. I love that. Um, so he gets absorbed, and mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out what's going on. And so, what's the next thing? After that, I believe after Chuck goes down, it's just Ramon and Stella, and they're in prison. Oh yeah, they get pulled up. I get the cops, and that's when the shang, uh, the shambling man, the Jang- jangling, the jangling, the jangling man. Yeah. Excuse me, the jangling he had like man a very rhyming kind of like very like phonetic kind of name. Mm-hmm. They even had uh, the nice reference to the dog, mm-hmm. who in the story, in the story, a jangling man drops from the chimney, and the dog dies of fright, like right there. <laughs> but in this case, the dog runs away and is like, "Nope, nope, <laughs> I'm not gonna die here." And so the sheriff is like, "What the fuck is going on?" And that's when he delivers his line, where he's like, "You gotta be shitting me!" Yeah, <laughs> and, like pulls out his revolver and just shoots the head after the head like says something. Mm-hmm. It think- says the line from the book. Uh, tilly yeah. dolly do. Yeah, something. <laughs> <laughs> And then assembles himself, gets up, and, like, violently snaps his neck, which was like, whoa. Whoa. (laughs) All right. That was, like, the most half-assed snapping of a neck ever. Yeah, it was kind of like a – like There was no fight there. Nope. nope, He just dies. Yeah. Do you think it would have been too comedic or too cruel for the dog to get – like die off people are really serious about dogs not dying so they did a they did a good thing by letting the dog run away <laughs> unlike how john carpenter did it in the thing i love that i love that the dog is like the the thing it, it escapes as a dog and then uh how those movies just like are directly tied into each other you can like start the movies back to back like that mm-hmm. and like just go right into the story um so after uh, so the sh- uh, jangling man shows up, starts going after Ramon because Ramon's name starts getting written in the book. Yes, and uh, you and find out his sort of backstory. Yeah, before the jangling man shows yeah. up, and you've learned that he's draft dodger. He dodged the draft because his brother died, and he said, "Fuck that." Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Right. His brother came back in pieces, like the jangling man. And, and yep. the jangling man That's is a, a representation time. of his brother's pieces. Yep. Holy shit! His, and his fear of like of having to go fight. Right. And so for some reason the jangling. I love man, that there was actual contortionists who played that character. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. He so the jangling man throws the sheriff's body into the cell area where they're mm-hmm. at, which gives Stella a chance to grab the keys. <laughs> yep. Excuse me. And so she grabs the keys, gets Ramon out. And they run out to the car, but this is where they have to, like, sort of split up because he knows that the jangling man is following him. And so she's like, you got to run to the house and figure out what's wrong with Sarah. Tell her the truth that we know that she's innocent and that she needs to sort of just let it go, Mm -hmm. like convince her not to do this anymore. And so they do both make it to the house. And this is sort of like the ending, like the climax of what's happening. And she gets uh, teleported, basically, or like brought into the story and she becomes Sarah. In the story? Yeah, yeah. She gets put in Sarah's position. Yeah. And then gets, like, she's hiding from the family who's finding her, and then she gets thrown in the cell. And this is when she meets Sarah for the first time, which is, like, no longer uh, just, like, a darkness that's everywhere. It's, like, an actual figure. And she shows up, and this is where she tries to convince her, basically, that we know what had happened and that you're innocent and that she'll tell her story about what's going on. And so that was interesting because – like with all horror films, it's always like the person versus something. And it's usually not just a single person. It's like an emotion, a feeling like everyone else is against you. And in this case, it was like the sort of truth that needed to come out for her. And then also Sarah releasing her anger, like letting it go and not letting it manifest in something bad. And so that was interesting, the way that they pretty much had her convince her. It was kind of like the little girl in the Silent, uh, Silent Hill movie, which right. I think was also the same for the games. 
yep yeah yeah totally and so they ended up having this confrontation where she really convinces her that she needs to <clears throat> let all of her anger go and not let it take over the take over her spirit and keep her there and the, i guess this is how she gets her to like sort of disperse her power and so she does like a crazy yelp or scream and like lets all of the energy loose and this sort the of classic like ghost cry. Yeah. Well, it sort of like ends the narrative, but you know what? It wasn't like a, a super happy ending. Like everyone doesn't return. So everyone who's like gone missing. I was wondering if gone. they were going to do that or not. Like if once Sarah just lets go, like would the other kids come back? But they didn't, which I thought will they or won't they do that for this movie? I feel like they didn't because uh one they wanted to continue the story probably but also so that you don't get the feeling of like oh they're all okay anyway at the end of the film you sort of get a melancholy feeling mm -hmm. at the end of it where you're like oh like they're still missing and you know they show stella her dad and uh who was it ruth yeah who are ruth. leaving i guess it looks like they're yeah, leaving they're, they're on their yeah they're on their they're going somewhere with that book yeah. she's probably talked to her dad and been like dad this is the problem and her right it's like i guess i trust my daughter i guess yeah and so then they yeah. go ramon has um overcomes his fear and then and ends up joining yep goes straight into the military and is like of course they'll exchange letters with stella mm -hmm. um so yeah there's so there's more story to tell and i think they could totally like bring in a story with him being in Vietnam as well as her trying to figure out what's going on Definitely. with the story. And I think it ended well and it was short. It was, it didn't feel too long for the, this was under, for the like two story. hours, like an hour and 50 minutes. Oh, was it really? Yeah. I did not feel like it was that long. Yeah, it was yeah. not. It was. Yeah, it would definitely so, kept me going. Good it kept on me them interested. for doing the pacing and keeping you engaged for most of the mm -hmm. story. And I liked it. Um, I liked that the her song got brought to life. Absolutely, I loved uh, that they used it few a few times. And yeah, I liked that. Yep. They did a little tune just by itself without the lyrics, and then the older woman they speak to uh, says some of the words, and she like goes to the song a little bit. Um, but of course, everyone's like, "Oh, she's crazy. She gets like that sometimes." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that was interesting. But overall, I would recommend it, and uh, I think you can go into it not knowing much. I about think it. you can also take your kids to go see this movie. Yeah, as well. it wasn't like crazy scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there were a few parts that got me though. <laughs> if you if you recently have read the books and you really liked the books, yeah, you, this movie is definitely for you. Oh, totally. This is the movie. This is this they is make the movie some nice you. callbacks Absolutely. to the source material, and they didn't change too much about it. Where mm -hmm. you're like unrecognizable. I don't know what this is, and uh, the writers did a really good job. Uh, the cinematography was really solid too. Um, there wasn't too many crazy shots. Um, but there were a few that were notable that like, especially when the jangling man is coming together mm -hmm. and it sort of rolls with his arm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so they have like interesting shots like that. When Ramon pins him into the semi with the car. Yes. Uh, and then he just is stuck there and then he falls apart. Yeah. And, <laughs> and reconnects he himself. And then comes back after him. Well, again. He, he reconnects himself and then he comes onto the screen and gives you a jump scare. Yeah. Uh, my only problem with this movie is the bit, some of the lighting in the movie. I felt like it was dark yeah, at some points. Like, like when they were in the really house, see. like when they were facing the other creatures besides the pale woman who they, the red light that was embodying those hallways. That was good. That was a good way to yeah. set the mood. But it's sort tone. of like it's she kind of blends a little bit with also. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because yeah, she's very like not stark white, but very just. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty pale. She blends yeah. into like the hospital walls and yeah. everything. The really eggshell well. white, I guess mm -hmm. if you could call it Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah. I was trying to see if I was thinking if there was anything that was bothering me. Um for some reason, the kids picking the locks bothered me. 
That's, um, yeah, I mean, and that, and yeah, I, I mean, now that you bring that up, I'm like, that is kind of weird. Also, the you know, sheriff being so like aggressive. Well, I would understand Ramon knowing how to do it because of like some military background. That's fair. I could understand that. Her knowing how I don't know. Maybe. Right. Maybe. What if Ramon You know, eh, raised by her dad, maybe, uh, maybe a thing. You I didn't even know what the yeah, dad did. Yeah, though. exactly, exactly. They didn't so, get into like what job he did. That's why I'm like, eh, maybe I can I can't it's hard for me to logicalize it. Maybe right. because the town still does the um paper mill. That's like yeah. the big business that they have yeah, to do that, for that small might towns. Be it. Um but good setting. Um, I don't think this could have been done in a contemporary setting Mm-mm. because uh, people are too desensitized to a lot of things. And then using that setting as well as uh, not going so heavy into the jump scares of the gore was a good choice for them for the material, even though some of the source material is like, it's pretty violent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. It really is. For a book published in the 80s for kids. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was like classified as children. And then the news said, don't let your kids read this shit because I it's bad for them. Um, Despite it being written by mostly children. Right. That's the funniest bit about it. Yeah. Like most oh, yeah. of the stories yeah. written by like 14, 16 year olds. Yeah. yeah. They're the imagination. really old folklore things. So do, you, so do you guys think that the story was unfinished like on purpose to kind of let you speculate or to like see if there's a continuation? I believe uh, so. I would say uh, it's an optional uh, cliffhanger for them. You know oh, what I mean? Totally. It's, it's definitely just like uh, if we can make a second movie, we have something to base it off of. Right. If they don't, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'd be cool I'd with be, it too. I'd be fine with it too. Yeah, yeah that, that's fine. It's like Lady and the Tiger don't know what's going to happen at the end. That's fine. You can leave it that way. Leave us guessing right. forever and we'll n- never know. And that's all right. Oh, gotcha. But, or make another one. Maybe it'll be just as good. Maybe. Uh, I think it would be because they have more material. Yeah. They would have like the second and third books they could pull from and continue. At least this the story. won't be a horror movie that would feel like sequelitis either. Yeah. That's true. Um, so before we wrap it up. <laughs> The final question, I guess, is would you guys recommend it? Should people go see it? Yeah, most, absolutely. Most definitely. Yeah, I think it was fun. Uh, I think you should definitely go watch it with uh, not too many expectations. Mm-hmm. And you usually enjoy your movies it's like a, that. It's a fun like movie just to yeah. sit down and relax and watch it. Just... Uh, it's solid for filmmaking. Like It was good cinematography. It's good writing. The actors are phenomenal I, in I, it. I, for cinematography, I would I, before we before we go, I want to point out that the ending with the house with the flashing back between reality and then the yes. um, false reality was very cool. Yeah, that was cut really well. Really oh, well. so when um they, basically when Ramon yeah. and um, Stella are in like alternate realities of the house. Yes. So when she's in like the where the family's still alive and in Sarah's position, and then when Ramon's just being chased by the jangle by the uh, oh right jangling man. Yeah, totally. Um. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that was really good. And I think that those two writers will definitely go on to make some more stuff. And I'm excited to see what else they got. But, yeah. It's even think, nice when you have, like, competent filmmakers make something. Right. But I think that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And before, you know, I let everybody go, I want to remind everyone that we're super easy to find. We're on all the streaming services. So we're on, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, as well as um Uh, soundcloud which is where our main stuff goes up and then we've also got our facebook and our instagram pages so feel free to comment there's stuff we miss discuss things or tell us we're wrong about a certain point Mm -hmm. and we're definitely willing to talk about it more um but thank you guys for coming and talking about this movie going to see the movie with me yeah i hope everyone has a good night of course man spooky